Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Fairly early in his piece, The Subject and Power, Michel Foucault is going to bring up a particular modality or a type of power relation that he calls pastoral power. And this is of significant scope. It develops contingently over the course of time within the West and then transitions from being something that is essentially centered in a religious institution and then, as he says, begins to pervade the rest of society, whether religious or secular, and it becomes very politically oriented in modern times. He brings this up in relation to the mechanisms of subjection, one of the three main kinds of power exercised on people that he's discussed earlier, domination, exploitation, and subjection or subjectification, making people into subjects. And he tells us that since the 16th century, a new political form of power has been developing continuously, by the way, he says. And he says this new political structure is, as everybody knows, the state, right? So there's a temptation and a tendency when we're looking at power and power relations to focus just on the nation state as it is developing and growing larger and larger and perhaps even engaging in conflict with other nation states or the rival and conflicts within it. And he says, most of the time, the state is envisioned as a kind of political power that ignores individuals looking only at the interests of the totality, or I should say a class or group among the citizens. So the individual matters insofar as the individual perhaps has power or has power exercised upon them. So they get in line with the rest of the state. And he says, that's not something that doesn't exist. All of that is important, but I'd like to underline the fact that the state's power and one of the reasons for its strength is both an individualizing and a totalizing form of power. And he says, never, I think, in the history of human societies, even in the old Chinese society, has there been such a tricky combination in the same political structures of individualization techniques and totalization procedures. Now, is that to say that everybody from the 16th century on is living in such a state? No, of course, there's more and there's less to certain degrees. And there can be societies where the state has completely failed and other things have stepped into the gap. But this is kind of a normative complex that he is identifying. And then he says something really interesting here. This is due to the fact, this combination of individualization and totalization, this is due to the fact that the modern Western state has integrated in a new political shape an old power technique. So it's using, as Foucault points out, we can do in many different ways, power structures, power organizations, power relations, power techniques are not usually just within the province of one particular institution. They can be transferred to others and thereby become, in some respects, more totalizing, more effective. And he says that this old power technique originated in Christian institutions. And he says, we can call this power technique pastoral power. 
So here's where he introduces the term. This is an idea that Foucault plays around with in a lot of places. This is not the definitive take on it. You know, you could go, for example, to the history of sexuality, where he's tracing the development of this power technique, as he's calling it here. But here the interest is primarily in saying, well, how does it go out of its originally Christian ecclesial context to become something uh, almost ubiquitous in modern societies. And so Foucault points out that a lot of people have paid attention to Christianity bringing a new ethics. And, you know, we could come up with all sorts of examples of this, as he, in fact, does in, in some of his, his works as well. Again, History of Sexuality is a great place to go for that, but there's many other resources you could turn to. And, you know, a prime example of this is valuing humility and meekness, which is a transformation of understanding of anger, because meekness, it can also be translated as mildness, gentleness. It's the same thing that Aristotle's discussing in Nicomachean Ethics Book 4, and other people are addressing as well. We can also look at that as opposed to the pride of the great-souled individual that Aristotle discusses, again, in Nicomachean Ethics Book 4. And so Christianity is introducing some new ethical concepts, some new ethical practices, but it's also introducing new power relations. And before people start going, oh yes, Constantine and the institutional church, and ooh, those priests, they wanted to get their hands on everybody. No, that's not what Foucault's actually talking about. As a matter of fact, any sort of simplistic, oh, everything was great until Christianity came on the scene, Foucault would say, well, that's a nonsense narrative, and you should really get rid of it and quit being so stupid as to buy into that sort of thing. He wants to analyze these new power relations, which he says take place within the framework of a new kind of institution. And this is a debatable claim, right? Christianity is the only religion that has organized itself as a church. Eh, you know, we could debate that. I'm not going to bother with that here, but we could point out uh, Taoist organizations in religious Taoism or the Sangha and its role in, in Buddhism, depending on which branch we're looking at. But he says, as such, it postulates in principle, certain individuals can, by their religious qualities, serve others. Now notice this, this negative here, not as princes, magistrates, prophets, fortune tellers, benefactors, educationalists, and so on, but as pastors. Now, pastor originally has this denotation of the person who is taking care of the sheep and keeping them from coming to harm, going out and fighting wolves and, and grabbing the sheep that have fallen into crevices. Sheep are pretty stupid animals. And it eventually comes to take on this notion, which by the way is not totally unique to Christianity or even you know, Judaism and Christianity. We also see in ancient Greek, uh, certain kings called the shepherds of the people, right? So it's not completely radically new, but the form of power relation is. And Foucault isolates out four main characteristics that he discusses. So he rattles these off by saying, it is a form of power whose ultimate aim is to assure individual salvation in the next world, as opposed, he says, to political power. What is political power about? Holding exercises of power over people, getting what you want out of them, right? exploitation, domination, but also improving their lives within this particular world. So that's the first thing. The aim of salvation is the next world. Pastoral power is not merely a form of power that commands. So this is very interesting here. He calls this oblative, and oblation means sacrifice, right? So the pastor has to themselves be ready to lay down their life for the sake of their flock. 
This is very different, as he points out, from kingly power, or royal power, which demands a sacrifice from its subjects to save the throne, right? Or we might say the power that's enshrined in long-standing institutions where it's the institution that has to survive, and if that crushes individuals or means that they can't have a, the life that they want to live, well, too bad for them, the institution doesn't sacrifice for the people. The pastor has to, at least in theory, be ready to sacrifice themselves for the life and salvation of the flock. So not just the life of the flock, but the salvation, the aim that's key here, right? He also says it's a form of power that looks after not just, and this is a very important qualifier here, not just the whole community, but each individual in particular, and not just at one point, but during their entire life. So these are some very complex things that we're thinking about here that are packed into this very simple sentence. Oftentimes power is exercised for the good of the community and requires, again, the sacrifice of the individual. But this says that the individual has to also be focused upon as important and not just the individual at a certain point, like, oh, well, you're with us, you know, until you turn 18 and then good luck. You know, no, we stay with you and help to counsel and shape and perhaps even, you know, redirect your life over the course of your lifetime. And when you're dying, you know, we give you absolution or perhaps even baptism, which a lot of people waited for in the early church, as well as the other sacrament of anointing, right? So that's a very important third thing. And then the fourth leads us into the stuff that Foucault is fascinated with. Knowledge, truth, right? The way in which we understand things and the ways in which the disciplines, not just in terms of disciplining people, but the disciplines when we think of fields of knowledge come to develop because he says, finally, this form of power cannot be exercised without knowledge of the in, knowing the inside of people's minds without exploring their souls. So that's sort of a, I look at you part. Now notice the next thing he says, without making them reveal their innermost secrets. It implies a knowledge of the conscience and an ability to direct it. So this is where we get to subjectification or subjectation and it's most clear extricated from the other aspects sort of way. The pastor has to get people to confess and confession is an important part of this. Uh, again, something we do also find in other religious traditions. Foucault thinks that it's primarily in Christianity, but it doesn't undermine the point about what he's describing here. And it's very interesting. He, he says, this is linked with a production of truth, a truth of the individual himself, the truth about who you are, right? And what you are. So this is what pastoral power looks like in some very broad strokes in Christianity from its early origins all the way on to the present. And Foucault says, and he's writing this decades ago, you can't really say that the church is the dominant institution within modern life at this point in time. He says, we should distinguish between two aspects of pastoral power, the ecclesial institutionalization that has ceased or at least lost its vitality since the 18th century, right? So the old school Christianity pastoral power and its function. Its function got taken on by other institutions and it spread and multiplied outside of the ecclesial institution. And so here we can talk about a transition from church to state. Instead of an opposition between church and state, the state taking on and transforming the very techniques of pastoral power spread into, as he says, the whole social body. 
And he says, I don't think we should consider the modern state an entity that was developed above individuals, ignoring what they are and even their very existence, but on the contrary, a very sophisticated structure in which individuals can be integrated under one condition, that this individuality would be shaped in a new form and sub submitted to a set of very specific patterns. He says, we can see the state as a modern matrix of individualization. Now, you notice he doesn't say individuality, individualization being turned into individuals, but turned into individuals of a certain sort with a certain orientation, right? A new form of pastoral power, he tells us. And then he says, let's say a few more things about this. And he makes three really key points. There's a change in its objective. It's no longer focused on salvation in the next world. He says, rather ensuring it in this world. And in this context, the world's salvation takes on different meanings. Think about, you know, the things that we talk about today still. Health, well-being, that is sufficient wealth, standard of living security, protection against accidents. A series of worldly aims took the place of religious aims of the traditional pastorate all the more easily because the latter had for various reasons followed in an accessory way a certain number of these claims. Think about medicine and its welfare function that was assured by the churches at first. Hospitals were originally religious institutions and then they eventually extricate themselves from that context, right? So change in objective, very important. Then he says, the officials of pastoral power increased. This is a really important point as well, because what he's going to say here is it's not just the state that does this. And we might think about societies where perhaps the state is rather weak or caught in political gridlock or inefficient, and other institutions like corporations are engaged in this instead, right? So he says, sometimes this power was exerted by state apparatus or a public institution like the police, right? Sometimes the power was exercised by private ventures, welfare societies, benefactors, generally by philanthropists. Ancient institutions, for example, the family, were also mobilized at this time to take on pastoral functions. And there are other things as well, like medicine, you know, complex structures, which included private initiatives, but also included public institutions such as hospitals. Although in our time, we find that hospitals are now, in, in, at least in America, part of a private institutions, or we could say private public, because they're often hospital groups that can be owned by various investors, right? So the number of officials engaging in pastoral power increases, and they're sometimes at odds with each other. And then this also leads to, again, we see this important fourth point. Here is the third point, the multiplication of the aims and agents of pastoral power focused on the development of knowledge of man around two roles, globalizing and quantitative concerning the population, you know, looking at statistics, engaging in, say, public planning, public health, the other analytical concerning the individual. And sometimes these can be greatly at odds with each other. So he, coming to the end of this, he says, this implies that power of a pastoral type, which over centuries for more than a millennium, was linked to a defined religious institution spread out into the whole social body. It found support in a multitude of institutions instead of a pastoral power, that of the church, and a political power, that of the state, or whatever else was running the show at the time, more or less linked to each other, more or less in rivalry, there was an individualizing tactic that characterized a series of powers. Those are the family, medicine, psychiatry, education, and employers, the things that Foucault himself is engaged in studying. So we see that pastoral power 
doesn't go away. And Foucault thinks that it's incredibly important to study, not just for historical purposes, but so we can understand our own condition in the present. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works. <laughs>